Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I am your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Vanderbilt play-by-play man Andrew Allegretta. We will talk about Vanderbilt's loss to Alabama, the Liam Robbins injury, touch on the Arkansas game, and hit some baseball as well at the end. Andrew appears on the guest line that is presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call at 615-830-9458. Our question and answer session with Andrew is presented by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell, that number 615-846-6200, See what your rights are and if they can help. Now, on to our interview with Andrew. Andrew Allegretta joins us. He, of course, the play-by-play voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores. Vanderbilt had an interesting week. It had one of the best halves of basketball in years at Memorial Gymnasium. When it beat Arkansas on Saturday afternoon, and then we had last night's game with Alabama, which Vanderbilt fought hard in the first half. Alabama went on a run to end the first half, carry that over into the start of the second half. Vanderbilt made a charge in the final couple minutes, but it wasn't always an uphill battle. Um, Anyway, here we are, a win and a loss to talk about, and really a good atmosphere inside Memorial for both those, it seems. So with my long-winded preamble, uh, welcome to the show, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Uh, It's good to be here. I'll keep mine briefer. (laughs) Well, that wouldn't be hard. But um, yeah, let's start here. The injury to Liam Robbins, my goodness. What what does it take for this basketball program to get through a year where it doesn't have its best player, one of its best two or three players hurt for an extended stretch? It is an unbelievable spell that predates your tenure here by several years. No, but I certainly have been able to pick up on it to an extent. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It hurts because you can understand the perspective um, possibilities with a healthy roster, right? But this is why I think, and it will always stick with me, a coach that a coach told me one time, for everyone that thinks that being a coach is constructing a roster from year to year, that's part of it. But an equal, if not bigger part, is how you manage the changes within your roster throughout the course of the season, be it injuries, departures, so on and so forth, which is uh, it's been difficult. And certainly if you tack on what's going on with the women's program, um, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's heartbreaking uh, because you can see the talent out there, but it only means so much if a certain number of them are on the floor. So I, I feel for Coach Stackhouse. I certainly feel for Coach uh, Shea Ralph and everything she's been through. Um, I don't know what it takes, Chris, uh, but but I know it certainly is a uh, extra large uh, bummer, to say the least, uh, to watch Liam go out. 
that was not the matchup you want if you're Vanderbilt in that spot. I've seen Alabama play a bunch. They are long, lean, and athletic and play hard. They put a lot of big guys out on the perimeter to get after shooters. You just don't get a lot of clean looks even when you do. You've always got the thought, you've got a guy coming at me probably. I might have a a clean look now, but in two-tenths of a second that could change. When you take Robbins out of the equation, it just changes everything for that offense, and then you get that matchup on top of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult matchup for everybody, right? In a, in a topsy-turvy college basketball landscape this year where, like, North Carolina and Duke and some of the ACC brethren are, are flipped on its head, and Kentucky's going through what it's going through this season. Alabama arguably could could win an national championship this season, and they might have one of, if not the the best players in college basketball right now. So, I mean, it's a difficult matchup for everybody. And, and certainly the game changes for the men's basketball program without Robbins, right? It's it just, it, it puts pressure, like you were saying, Chris, I think to underscore it on all of these guys out on the perimeter to make their shots without the pressure relief valve of the post players. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'd be curious your perspective too on, on the performance against Alabama. It, it wasn't a win, so we're not happy about it, but um, you know, uh, again, that's the, that's one of the premier teams in college basketball this season. And that's certainly our goal, but you know, they acquitted themselves well. And I, I don't know. Um, I think that it certainly strikes me in talking with Kevin some today, just in the office, you know, if someone like Lee Dort um, matures, quickly, which he's actually, according to Kevin and talking with some people, matured relatively quickly regard, uh, uh, in, in regards to him being a freshman. If he continues to mature, hopefully he can manage to soften some of the departure of Liam. Yeah, my overriding thought on the game last night, when you were writing up a game. I don't know how much people know about the business of journalism and how you do it. Um, I'm sometimes I'm filing a story for a third party somewhere else in addition to what I do at Vandy Sports, and sometimes they want those as close to the buzzer going off at the end of the game as you can possibly make it. So you just sit there and you've got a lot of it pre-written. You just fill in the the dashes with final scores and percentages and. Brandon Miller scored X amount of points and so on. So I'm getting the game story ready because when it's a 23-point game with 15 minutes left or whatever it was at that point, you kind of have a pretty good feeling of what the game story is unless something really, really changes, which in the final two minutes there was that possibility it could, but it was always going to be slim. Here's where I'm going with this. My lead for that was Vanderbilt shot X percent. Uh, And for most of the second half and the end of the first half, that number was in the low to mid-20s. Now, it crept up at the end of the game and ended up at 30.1%. But the point was the fact that Vanderbilt couldn't hit shots was the story of the game to me for all the reasons that we've already outlined. And Tyron Lawrence to me was the guy that tried to carry them, but it seemed like a lot of times he'd get the ball, he'd go to the bucket. His guy would would be on him, and then a couple of bigs would swing over. Um, 
my takeaway from last night was just against elite defensive teams, they're going to have a hard time finding points because I think it seemed to me like watching last night, Lawrence's name must have been circled on the scouting report is a, hey, when, when this guy's got the ball, look out because he can do some damage. You heard Eric Musselman highlight that concern and the the warning that he had told his team, hey, look out for this guy to go left, and they couldn't stop him. Well, it felt like Nate Oates had scouted that one out pretty well because even though Lawrence had 20 points, it took him 16 shots to do. Um, that's a lot that I just gave you there, but my takeaway was that without Robbins – shots were just a lot harder to come by and that shooting percentage that you saw most of the night was the reason they fell behind by 23. Yes. And I'm going to tack on one small thing, which is not to diminish the loss, but um, to point out something that if the trend continues, I think is a good thing. Um, Talking with Stackhouse on the Commodore hour back on Monday, I think he pointed out the fact that he's, he has quite frankly challenged a lot of these guys to be consistent and steady and intense, regardless of if someone is actually challenging them, right? Like they rose to the occasion against Arkansas because that got chippy and they said, I'm going to prove you. And guys like Jordan Wright and Tyron Lawrence stepped up and Stackhouse said on the show that, that quite frankly, you know, Stackhouse and Jordan haven't been best buddies as of late. And that's because Stackhouse is pushing Jordan to be a consistent impact player regardless of whether or not the ball is going in the bucket and regardless of if someone is quote unquote challenging him. And he said the same thing about Tyron Lawrence and um, just looking at Tyron's performances over the past month or so, it's four points against Mizzou. It's five points against Tennessee. It's 22 against Arkansas. It's 20 against Alabama. If it's starting to click to guys like Tyron and to guys like Jordan, um, the intensity that is required on a game in game out basis. And they're not robots, they're humans. So understand that it's difficult to get to that point. But if they're starting to learn what that intensity feels like, that's a buoy, right? So Robbins goes out, you need somebody else to step up. If you see a more consistent performance from Tyron, I like his game. I like Jordan's game too. If those guys are, are feeding you 15, 20 points on a consistent basis, even 10 to 15 and giving you high energy levels on the defensive end, all of a sudden, again, it doesn't get rid of, but it softens the blow of Liam. So if that trend continues, there's a positive. Well, the disappointing part of this, you mentioned Jordan Wright. Jordan had that back issue that I think kept him out of a game or two, certainly hobbled in in some others. And I remember, goodness, what was it, the Southeastern Louisiana game, maybe right before New Year's, I remember being courtside for the game, and he goes up, uh, I think for an alley-oop that he doesn't connect on, and he comes crashing down to the floor hard. And I'm going, oh boy, because uh, he's had back issues, and that just looked like a nightmare in waiting. He hops up and looks fine, blocks a shot on the other end later. I'm thinking, okay, that's a good sign for them. Jordan Wright as well. Now, I don't think they're the team – that played Arkansas in the second half. I think that is like a 99-point-something percentile version of this team in a good way. But but it is a little bit a part of who they are. I mean, they put that on paper, right? And I just remember thinking, okay, that second half of that Arkansas game, when you got everybody healthy, now I don't think they were going to go on a run and go to the NCAA tournament, but it did pique your curiosity a little bit, and it's just – 
a shame now that Robbins won't be part of it because it's not to beat a dead horse, but it's a lot different. What I was getting at is that you finally got right healthy, um, and it was going to be interesting to see where it went. Agreed, right? And they certainly have, I would agree with you, Chris, that they have put in consistency on paper. Uh, you know, what that means, where that goes, I don't know. Uh, it certainly can't be the norm if they're going to, you know, make a run to the SEC tournament, whatever it happens to be. I, I, I still am compelled by the pieces on the floor. I think Ezra has a lot to offer. I think Lee Dort has a lot to offer. I think I really think Tyron Lawrence has a lot to offer when he's in that engaged mode. Um, you know, Miles Studi still needs to be a consistent player. Um, and I know him finding his role um, beyond the three-point arc has been a work in progress, and he's a much better defender. Um, he's still looking for his secondary offensive weapon. Um, we've seen him attack the glass more, get to the free throw line at times. I'm looking at the Arkansas game, had eight free throws in that game. Um, so this season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Look, it's, again, back to what Stackhouse is dealing with and what that one coach me to- coach told me that one time, which I will always remember, is it's how you're able to manage your roster within the course of a season to maximize it. And every time you think you have something just about there, if you're Stackhouse and then Robbins goes out or Wright goes out and then you've got to find it again, it's a it's a difficult proposition. So I've got empathy for them, but I know they hold themselves to an exceedingly high standard. Uh, Stackhouse is, you know, he's a competitor now. Uh, just, just because he's not a player, like that part of Jerry Stackhouse is still very, very much in him. That intense North Carolina basketball player that was, you know, ready to stand toe-to-toe with anybody is still right there firing in him. So uh, I, I certainly hope that, Whatever these curses are, these hexes are, whatever it is, uh, they've minimized, they've minimized themselves and in, in whatever the puzzle pieces are for the rest of the way, they can figure out how they fit together. Yeah, a couple games coming up. I feel like they need to get one of these two. George on the road. Mike White has done a tremendous job in Athens in his first year. I think they are what thirteen and five now after losing to Kentucky last night. And then speaking of the, the cats. Conference. Yeah, three and two yeah. in the league. And then, then the next one up after that is Kentucky. That's at home next Tuesday. And God only knows what version of the Wildcats we're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look at the rest of the schedule, right? I mean, Georgia, Kentucky, Texas, A&M, Alabama, Ole Miss, Tennessee, 
I mean, Georgia beat Ole Miss, Tennessee lost to Kentucky. I'm not saying that Bandy should win X games, but hoisting the, the white flag of surrender certainly is not necessary at this point in the season either, just because Liam goes out again, not to minimize it. It's a totally different roster and it's a significant bummer, XL bummer that he's not out there, but uh, there's, there's gettable games. It, you just, well, what, 30% from the floor, uh, 20% from three, what six of 30, something or other. Uh, it, it doesn't take a huge shift, right? If, if instead of being, six for 30 something they're nine or 10 for 30 something it's a different ball game so the the margins are awfully small they just got to start flipping them a little bit yeah and a little housekeeping note here i think we reported last night that robin's issue was a sprained ankle i think there was a little bit of loss in translation maybe from the the coaching staff to the to the media relations people not throwing anybody under the bus here uh sometimes these things happen before games when you got sensitive information and you're you're trying to pass things along, but we reported it as a sprained ankle. It's actually a sprained foot, uh, which probably in the scheme of things is not as good given that Robbins has had foot issues before. I don't know if they're related to the one he's got now, but just to put a bow on that, it, it's not a sprained ankle. Apparently, it's a sprained foot. Yeah, I mean, you would you would know as, as much as I do. I, I, I get that I work inside the building. You know, I, I think – for folks that, you know, we talk about housekeeping on my end. I'm certainly very much around the men's basketball program, but my attention is often focused on football and baseball. You got a lot of things to chase, been, yeah. Well, well, I I I focus on football and and baseball because those are the two sports that I'm assigned to um, on a more primary basis, right? You know, call every single one of the football and every single one of the um, of the baseball games. So I spend a little bit more time with those guys and and allow Kevin to be the, I don't allow, he's assigned to men's basketball uh, to be that guy for that program. I will say this on a quick aside note. um, I got a question the other day. I was having lunch with some other people and I just, I feel like throwing it in here just to, because it's how we have been assigned is a little confusing and it's to nobody's fault. And I like the way that we're assigned. It's a good thing the way that we're assigned here at Vanderbilt. It's unique and it's, I think great for the program. It's also great for like work-life balance uh, for Kevin and myself. Um, I've got all of football for radio. Kev's got all of men's basketball for radio. I've got all of baseball for radio. Kev will take SEC Network Plus games for baseball. And I will take SEC Network Plus games for men's and women's basketball. When ESPN doesn't assign the announcers. Like I know right. the TV stuff gets really clunky and confusing on all of that. So ESPN has first right of everything. If they decide that they're going to put X game on X platform, whether it's ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN U, the network, uh, or just a streaming, they've got first right of everything. And then they tell our production crews what they're going to do. Some games they will, um, do soup to nuts. They're going to come into our production room. They're going to have a director and a producer. They're going to bring their talent. They're going to handle just about everything with the exception of, you know, running the cameras or running the microphones, which we will then still hire the people for that. Other games, they they offload everything, right? The producer is in-house. The play-by-play people are in-house. I only take the hoops games um, when it's entirely in-house. So last night, 
uh, it was Courtney Lyle, who's a Nashville native, by the way, and Carolyn Peck, because ESPN assigned them to be there. Uh, so that has nothing to do with Vanderbilt. And I will throw this in here just as a quick small aside. This is, I'm sure, not what people would necessarily want to hear, but so they understand uh, the directive. When I do TV games, I'm directed to be neutral, which yeah. is a little weird, right? Like I'm a Vanderbilt guy and I want Vanderbilt to win. But the but, but it's is, but it's an ESPN TV, production. Yeah, it's an ESPN production. And the thought process is it is is that it goes out to both fan bases, whether that's a Vanderbilt fan base or a southeastern Louisiana fan base or a Mississippi State fan base. When I was doing the women's game, it's going out to both fan bases. So we are directed me as an announcer and then take, you know, Doug or Dean, who's in our SEC network uh, production room as as producers. We are directed to do a neutral show when I'm on the radio. I can be as much of a homer as I want to be. And, and I, and I tend to try to lean that way. I mean, trust me, I want Vanderbilt to win for a myriad of different reasons, but just as a point of like housekeeping, since you brought it up and it jogged my memory, um, it's a different, it's a different assignment when I'm on TV versus when I'm on radio and, and who is calling the shots. Vanderbilt calls the shots and Learfield calls the shots through and through on radio. So we can essentially do what we want on the radio side of things on TV that is an ESPN slash SEC network production, and they ask for a different approach to it. I, I bet Dean is just really hard to work for, isn't he? Dean's one of the nicest guys on the planet. and this <laughs> That is was a joke for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the nicest guys. Kevin he is. and Dean could go toe-to-toe. Kevin Ingram and uh, Dean in our SEC network uh, production room could go toe-to-toe for nicest people on the planet. Yeah, I, I I've known Dean for years. Um, like uh, we're always, those guys are the always ones shooting press conferences and stuff for the network or for whatever Vanderbilt puts out. Um, and unfailing, I'll get my camera in their line of sight and and watching them like ask me in the <laughs> nicest possible way to move it, you know, like a foot to the left is always a fun exercise. I, I should yeah, just like yeah, do it every flat. time just to see like at some point if they snap and and they're rude, but. Uh, I've I, never I don't think that's Dean. I don't think that's in Dean. Dean. <laughs> no, he I've seen him be mildly flustered. Um, yeah. But people have seen me be mildly flustered. So it's <laughs> it's in all of us. I heard you got right, mildly right. flustered when Dansby Swanson signed with the Cubs. Oh. So the mildly flustered thing is in everybody. I thought we were friends, man. You had to bring that up. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, speaking of baseball. Um, yeah. The uh, the the rankings are coming out. Uh, D one is probably the one I respect the most. Came out this week, and Vanderbilt is tenth, which places Vanderbilt, I believe, seventh in the SEC, which tells you a lot about the kind of season it is going to be. And my goodness, um, they have got they got yeah. some other teams on the schedule too that are in those rankings that are not. Um. Not SEC teams to them. That, that schedule this year, I think this will be the most exciting and fun schedule they have ever played because there just aren't a lot of, you know, you, you have they have those series. It seems like they got one or two of them every year where they bring a team in from the Northeast and the 
the composite score of the weekend is 40 to 2 and you don't learn anything there are none of those moments this year or I'm not shouldn't I shouldn't say none but I think those moments will be few and far between schedule is a lot of fun I will say I will say I was going through it I don't have the exact maybe I can dig it up while I'm I'm talking here um Vanderbilt in the SEC, not that Tim Corbin backs down from a challenge. He sure doesn't. Having said that, they are missing LSU, which immediately takes off the table some of the best pro prospects in the country. Vanderbilt's got a couple, but LSU's got a bucket load of them. That's why they're number one. My point is, and it's it's more than just uh it's more than just LSU. I think they miss Auburn as well, and I'm going to forget the third. They're missing like 10 of D1 baseball's top 100 draft prospects. It, the yeah. schedule's competitive and fun, but in the SEC, it's still really good. It's still really challenging. They still have Arkansas. They still have Tennessee. I'm not saying by any stretch that it's easy. They still have Ole Miss and Mississippi State. It is not easy. That would be a ridiculous assertion. I'm just saying some of the people that can clobber you upside the head and we watched Dylan Cruz break our soul for three consecutive days. We don't have to deal with this year and we don't have to deal with Paul Skeens, that major transfer from our uh, air force to LSU. We don't have to deal with Tommy tanks at LSU. We don't have to deal with Jacob Gonzalez. People remember him from, from Auburn last year, throwing like 92 with a little sink and he just needled us to death. Um, We're missing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't with 99 or 100. It was 92 and some sink on it. And he just pinpoint and just clobbered us on a Sunday down on the plains. Uh, so we're missing some of those guys, uh, which uh, the schedule's not easy. It's not easy. It just sets up in a way that if this team finds its identity, I think it can position itself certainly to host a regional once again and and kind of once again fight for a top eight national seed. I don't know that that's going to happen. I just, I look at the schedule, I look at our roster and I, and I think that if this team finds its identity um, sooner rather than later and like everything else, people stay healthy and so on and so forth. uh, It it can be right there in the mix for a top eight national seed. If there's ifs, but there's ifs for everybody. Six, 16 and 14, 17 and 13 might get you a national seed this year with that schedule. Um, yeah. Andrew, I hate to do this. I've got a hard out to get to another call in, in about two minutes. So with that, briefly, um, if you guys want to advertise anything about the broadcast, anything coming up with your podcast or the site, the floor is yours to do that as we end today. Uh, no, I'm seeing how quickly I can come up with that stat and see if I can do it before your hard out. Uh, I think it was 10 of the top 100 because uh, I wrote it down. Vanderbilt does At LSU? Say, Here we go. Let's see if I... Uh, yeah, that Vanderbilt does not face uh, this season. Again, not that Corbin backs down from a challenge. I'm just putting some perspective on it. LSU, sure. Dylan Cruz, number one. Paul Skeens, LSU, number 10. LSU, Grant Taylor, number 15. Texas A&M, Nathan Detmer, who popped us in the teeth, number 25. Yep. Joseph Gonzalez, number 28 out of Auburn. Cole Foster, number 40 out of Auburn. LSU, Ty Floyd, LSU, Trey Morgan, LSU, uh, Christian Little. Uh, Texas A&M, hmm. Jack Moss. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten of D1 baseball's top 100 draft eligible prospects Vanderbilt does not face this year. 
And the next podcast, maybe we can go through who Vanderbilt does face because it's still a formidable <laughs> list. It's still good. It's still good. Yeah. I'm just it's still half the top to 25. If we don't have to throw a fastball to Dylan Cruz, I don't want to throw a fastball to Dylan Cruz. Right. Sam counting five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, yeah, but that's everybody, play. man. That's yeah, um, ten. That ten of the top twenty-five they face at some point. Um, so that's that's my quick count. Could be off. No, eleven. Yeah. Alabama's that's in everybody. there too. Andrew, that's hey, everybody. thanks a bunch. Yes, um, <laughs> I, yeah, it is. Uh, we will catch you next. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll catch you in two weeks. We'll catch Kevin next week. But thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Sounds like a plan, Chris. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.